What is up, Crypt Nation? What is up, Crypt Nation? How is everybody doing today? I hope you guys all had a good week. In fact, I hope you guys had a better week than Pizza Mind and I. Uh, as you could probably tell, I'm a little stuffed up. Uh, I'm just getting over a cold, and I got back from a camping trip, and I think I also got Pizza Mind sick. So Pizza Mind is actually not even able to join me today. He is bedridden, that poor, poor, sweet boy. Uh, but I'm going to take you guys through the weekly fire today. And I'm going to bring the energy. I'm going to bring the heat. Don't you worry about that. Uh, we're going to have a good, solid, strong episode. we got a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, you know, here at the weekly fire, we like to cover crypto's burning questions and all the heated debates. And guys, as always, our segments, hot or not, the top gainers, right? The top losers. Are you guys hot? Are you not? We're going to talk about the biggest gainers and losers in crypto this week. We're going to talk about smoke and mirrors. You guys all know smoke and mirrors. Uh, one of my favorite segments where we talk about, is this an illusion? Is this a scam? Is this the real deal? Is this not the real deal? And today we're going to be talking about a new ruling by the CFTC. I don't know if it's necessarily a ruling. Let's call it a strong statement by the commissioner or the head of the CFTC regarding Ethereum status as a commodity. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about Scorched Earth. Uh, you guys all know and love Scorched Earth. This is where we talk about times we've been burned, or times people that we know have been burned, and how to stay safe here in the crypto community. Today we're going to be talking about hacks. Uh, and then uh, a classic segment that we call Fire Tweets, where we talk about the best tweets of the week. And today we've got a really good one from one of my favorite analysts in the space named Woonomic, Willie Woo. Uh, so his handle is at Woonomic, and his name is Willie Woo, and he's a great analyst uh, that does on-chain analysis. So he looks at all sorts of different metrics about you know how the blockchain is performing for Bitcoin and for some of the other altcoins. You know how much volume is being exchanged on hands, how many wallets are are there generated, how many wallets hold certain amounts of Bitcoin versus others. All sorts of crazy on-chain analytics. And so we're going to get into a tweet that he had that I think everybody should be paying attention to. Um, and then last but not least, we have the news. As you guys all know, we'd like to cover the hottest news stories. And again, this is crypto. There's a million news stories every day, it feels like. So we just like to round up the best three or four. And today, we are going to be talking about the SEC halting Telegram's issuance of their TUN tokens. That happened on Friday. Uh, the IRS issued some new uh, tax guidance. Uh, so the Internal Revenue Service, the tax man, the American tax man, right? For the first time in five years, they just released some pretty interesting news about how they're going to be you know, regulating cryptocurrency taxes and all the implications. Again, this is not tax advice, not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. This is just one guy's opinion, educational purposes only, as always. And thirdly, we're going to be talking about the Libra dropouts. <laughs> I could see it being like a movie title or something, uh, the Libra dropouts, right? So we've got some, some companies that have uh, opted to drop out of the Libra Association. And why did they do that? I well, we'll talk about it. So you just gotta wait and round. <laughs> you just gotta wait around and see. Um, so let's start off with the weekly weather report. As I always like to start off every episode, I like to just go to the charts because everything that happens in crypto happens on the charts. 
Um, we're stable, guys. We have held, you know, for the last 10 weeks, it seems like, literally since, okay, so this is episode 11. I think since episode three, when Bitcoin was around 11 or 12K, uh, we, you know, I personally has been calling for this test of the 8K level. And I told you guys last week that uh, we hit that level and we saw the reaction we wanted, right? It bounced off that 8K level and we saw a strong group of buyers come in. Um, you know, the, the, and the reason why I was looking for that 8K level, again, as I was saying last week, is that you have that volume profile range right there at the 8K spot. You could see a lot of Bitcoin have traded hands at, a, at or around 8K. And so this signals, uh, you know, interest, right? There's a lot of price negotiation at that level. Buyers and sellers are coming together uh, to negotiate a fair value uh, and to agree upon a price. And 8K is seemingly that level. Next, I could tell you exactly, uh, in my opinion, where I think we're going to test within the next few weeks. I think we got to go back up and test 10.4. Why do I say that? 10.4K is where another high volume uh, node is. Uh, and again, this is a, just an indicator that I'm using on tradingview.com. Uh, you got to pay like 30 bucks a month for it, but it very clearly points out where support and resistance levels are based on how many uh, Bitcoin or how many coins or shares of you know Amazon stock, whatever it is, how many have been traded at a certain time. Sorry, at a certain price. So the volume that comes on the bottom is, uh, you, you know, you put your little volume charts on the bottom and that is volume or amount of shares traded at a given time. And then on the side, you have the volume profile, which is volume traded at a certain price. So guys, again, stay safe. We're still consolidating. We're still looking to, uh, to break out back above this 8K range. But I really don't see um, the bears really generating enough strength here to push us down to the next high volume uh, little node that we have around 6K where we were consolidating, you know, all, you know, for the back half of 2018, we consolidated around 6K. Um, and there's a lot of interest there as well. So if we can't hold 8K, uh, I'm thinking 6K, but, you know, I think we hold 8K. So guys, if you're in Bitcoin, that's what I'm looking at. Let's pop on over to ETHUSD. Um, ETHUSD is looking pretty strong. It just touched a trend line yesterday and had a pretty bad reaction off that trend line. Um, we had a, a fake out. I guess this happened on, on all USD pairings. Uh, I know I saw it on Ripple. I saw it on Bitcoin. Where we spiked above briefly uh, for about an hour uh, and trapped a lot of people up top above a little consolidation range around for Ethereum. It was about, it hit ooh, 197. Seems there's an interest and it bounced right back off. So guys, we got to cool off a little bit here. Maybe we go back down to that uh, volume profile range that I've been talking about uh, towards the bottom, maybe like, uh, I'm thinking 170, 169. Uh, test that, scoop up some liquidity there, and we're on our way to new heights. Um, but it's just really going to see like, um, you know, if Bitcoin uh, flexes a lot of strength, then as we always know, uh, you know, the altcoins tend to wither in its path. But we are going into a time where coins like 0x, coins like Link, uh, fundamentally strong coins, coins that have been around for a long time, they're starting to show what we call uncorrelation to the rest of the market. And uncorrelation is good. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign that things are starting to come together. Um, and that 
kind of at the end of the day, you want to see more uncorrelation in these these assets. Right now, they are all so correlated, it's ridiculous. Like when something moves up, everything moves up. When something moves down, they all move down. But uh, we're moving into a time when you know the alt Bitcoin ratio starts to get skewed a little bit. So I think there's going to be a lot of good buying opportunities. As you guys know, last week my bold prediction of the month was that one coin in our hot or not segment is going to be up by quadruple percentage. So I'm talking a thousand percent or more, which is a 10x over a seven day span. That's just a wild guess, but that's just how I'm starting. And w again, w if you guys were around um, in early 2017, I'm talking like January through January was the time when right when we were starting to kick out. Right. But I think really in March is when it started to heat up and April and May of 2017. And we would see regularly uh, coins go up 10x. Uh, so I'm expecting that here within the next month, two months. Uh, as we start to see the steam come off the top. Okay, so that's the that's the weather report. Not to get too much into the weeds there. Um, that's just my musings. Uh, I am staying exposed to the markets, uh, Ether, Bitcoin, and uh, I am actually starting to put on a little bit more risk into the altcoins. So for the last several months, I haven't been in any altcoins, um, but I'm starting to see signs that we're switching momentum to the upside. Okay, all right, everybody. Let's move on to the next segment. Drum roll, please. Hot or not. And remember, guys, the criteria for hot or not, we like to look at coins that are the biggest movers over the seven day and the biggest losers over the seven day, last seven days. And they have to have at least traded a million dollars worth of volume uh, per coin market cap. So the reason why we do that is like we like to filter out Anything that, you know, we like to filter out all the noise, right? There's a bunch of coins out there that gone up a million percent or down a million percent, whatever. Obviously, you can't go down a million percent. You could go, only go down 100%. But you guys get the point I'm trying to make. But they trade like 2,000 bucks or 60,000 bucks. And it's like, that's not really a real market uh, relative to the rest of the crypto market. So coming in at number one today, or this week, I should say, is a coin called Jewel. J-W-L is the ticker. It traded $1.5 million over the course of seven days and is up 198%. Coming to number two, we have Spendcoin, ticker SPND, traded $1.5 million over the last seven days, and that is up 80%. Not bad, not bad. And coming in, the third biggest gainer of the week is a chain called Insight Chain, and that is ticker INB, and they traded a whopping $36.3 million and on that volume, they're up 74%. So that is a good-looking market right there. And on the flip side, uh, we got some sorry Charlies. Let's talk ImageCoin, ticker IMG, down one point... Sorry, traded $1.3 million, and it's down 26%. We got Litex, LXT is the ticker, $1.4 million on the week, down 18.5%. And then we have Whole Network, which is ticker N-O-D-E, traded $4.7 million this seven days, and it's down 18.15%. So guys, we're seeing lots of volatility still in the markets. You got to stay safe. You got to trade your plan. You got to have a plan. You can't get into a coin and say, you know, I know for sure this is, is going to go to the moon. You just don't know. Anything could happen. Networks die every day. Uh, black swan events. You guys have heard of black swan, right? 
Black Swan event is kind of like a once in a blue moon event that nobody could calculate and that is just an un, unforeseeable risk. And so, you know, you guys always have to, you know, we talk about stop losses, right? There has to be a stop loss in place, a stop loss order so that when you buy a coin, you could say, all right, I'm going to buy this puppy at a buck. My goal is for this thing to go to $2. When it hits $2, I'm going to sell half, right? Selling half on a double is a common strategy. But you need to define your risk because this thing could also go to $0 and then you lose all your money. So you need to say, what am I comfortable losing? Um, so maybe you'll buy it at a buck and say if it goes down to 80 cents, I'm going to cut my losses. It goes down to 80 cents, I, I've lost 20% and I'm going to cut my losses here. Um, that, that's a viable strategy there. So guys, always remember protect yourselves when you're out there trading. And without further ado, smoke and mirrors, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about Ethereum. Okay, so the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, these are the cats that um, more or less regulate all futures contracts in America. And I guess uh, they decided today, or the chairman put out a strong statement, that Ethereum is a commodity. So that means it's going to fall under their regulatory purview. This is very interesting. This is never, I mean, the only other coin that has been classified by the CFTC as a straight up commodity is Bitcoin. So let me read you a little bit about, actually first, before I read it, let me tell you why I think this is important. First off, the definition of a commodity is a raw material or primary agricultural product that can be bought and sold, such as copper or coffee. Interesting. Okay, the second definition of a commodity a useful or valuable thing, such as water or time. Okay, I get it, right? We see that Ethereum is this digital oil, this digital gas for smart contract platforms. Uh, in order for decentralized applications built on Ethereum to run or to execute, right, they need to have uh, Ethereum in order to to uh, execute their, basically to feed the meter, right? It's the currency or it's the utility to feed the meter. So this is very important that the CFTC is classifying Ethereum as a commodity because it will be allowing Ethereum derivatives to be issued, regulated, and traded on traditional U.S. exchanges. Futures, swaps, all this kind of stuff that is integral, absolutely critical to the development of our industry because it provides infrastructure for institutions, right? In order for them to hedge their risk. So if you think about it from a portfolio manager's perspective, we talked a little bit about this in the last episode of um, one of these segments in the last episode about how institutionalization of these crypto assets is inevitable. And so is that good or is that bad? Well, a couple perspectives, go back and listen to the last episode and me and Pizza Mind get into a hot debate about it. You could probably tell that I take the side that it's a good thing for our ecosystem. Um, it's going to allow new capital inflows. Um, and, and, and really, at the end of the day, why this is so good for the industry is because now institutions can hedge their risk. So we always talk about hedging risk. And now that there's products, regulated exchanges and regulated products that institutions can, can put on their books, essentially, uh, in order to get exposure to the asset, is great for us. So now they could buy Ethereum in order, remember like in order to limit your downside risk, you'll put in a stop loss, right? But for institutions, what they'll do to limit their downside, they will short that 
that asset, right? So you'll buy the spot and you'll sell the future um, and or sell the spot and buy the future. Ultimately, you're always just trying to find ways to limit your downside risk for your LPs or your GPs, your portfolio, whatever it is. Um, and in side effect, you limit your upside potential. But guys, that is how you're supposed to do it. Okay, so why else is this important? Let's just read through. This is one of these Coindesk articles. So I'm just going to read a little snippet here. Um, CFTC chairman Heath Herbert. He said that Ether, the world's second largest cryptocurrency by market cap, is a commodity, dot, dot, dot. Okay, speaking at the Yahoo Finance All Markets Summit on Thursday, Tarbert said he believes Ether is not a security. Quote, we've been very, very clear on Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a commodity. We haven't said anything about Ether until now. Tarbert said, it is my view as chairman of the CFTC that Ether is a commodity. Tarbert continued to say that the CFTC is working with the SEC on the two cryptocurrencies and have agreed that both are not securities. Going forward, the CFTC may allow Ether futures to trade on U.S. markets, he suggested. Guys, this is big. This is big. This is big. Um, you know, it's sufficiently decentralized. And that's why we're talking about it on uh, Smoke and Mirrors, actually, because that, it's sufficient decentralization, is a point of contention. There's, and even its issuance is a point of contention. Um, for anybody who was around back when Ethereum was doing their ICO, um, a lot of the original Bitcoiners think that Ethereum was a complete scam. It was a complete money grab. And now many complain that Ethereum is not sufficiently decentralized, meaning that the node holders or the node, sorry, the node operators and the token holders are too centralized. Um, so that's always a heated debate. And the same argument could go for Bitcoin. Um, I think Bitcoin's probably a little bit more sufficiently decentralized. That's just a personal opinion. Um, but it's going to be interesting actually to see how the decentralization aspect either increases or decreases with the move to the new protocol, Ethereum 2.0, which is going to be a staking protocol whereby you could become a validator on the network or a miner on the network if you stake at least 32 Ethereum. So for quick reference, uh, 32 Ethereum today is about six grand and 32 Ethereum at the height, uh, which is about 1600 bucks for Ethereum, uh, it's about $51,000. So there is a 10x difference between how much it costs if you want to become, if you want to buy Ethereum now to be a validator in the future when it comes out, um, you got to pay about six grand. You could get your 32 Ethereum, you could store them away. And if the price goes up, you already locked your spot in as an Ethereum validator or a miner, right? Um, because proof of stake, remember, it's not about all the mining hardware and all the computation uh, that you have to run with the hashes and stuff. It is being a, you know, you put your money where your mouth is, you stake it, and then you get, by staking, you get randomly selected to produce a block, and then you get a block reward as well. So that'll be interesting to see how that works. And, you know, I, I'm pretty bullish on Ethereum, guys. I think the ETH-BTC ratio, um, it looks pretty healthy. It looks like it's been kind of grinding higher, um, series of higher highs, higher lows, and you know, I'm pretty bullish on Ethereum, so we'll see how they do with their Ethereum 2.0. And it was just ETH DevCon uh, this weekend in Osaka, in Japan. And a lot of good bullish news came out, and we'll, we're going to continue to see good development. Nobody's given up on that protocol. Trust me, those guys are hellbent. 
Um, all right, guys, let's move on to Fire Tweet. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. As I mentioned, this part that we're going to talk today about is from a gentleman named Willie Wu. He's at Woonomic on Twitter. And... He actually tagged Glassnode, so he tags at Glassnode, G-L-A-S-S-N-O-D-E, and these guys are awesome, awesome, awesome. They do all sorts of deep on-chain analytics as well, Um, so go to Glassnode.com and check them out. So he says, Glassnode posted a chart of address counts with 1,000 BTC or more today. It prompted me to look back further in time. This is amazing. The rate of growth of 1,000 BTC addresses now matches the early growth in Bitcoin's network. Okay, so he has a chart that he pulls up here where, you know, it's on our Twitter, guys, if you want to go look, and I'll also link to it in the show notes. Um, But you can see in 2010 to 2014, we basically see a straight line up. You know, it's about maybe, let's call it, you know, a really, really steep angle uh, of addresses that are accumulating 1,000 BTC. And then it goes flat. It goes very, very, very flat up until just recently, about uh, six months ago, when it started to go parabolic again or make that really steep ascent. Okay, so I'm about to continue on with his tweet. And he goes, in the early years, gaining 1,000 BTC was a matter of being an uber geek 
knowing how to mine it and some investment in hardware and electricity. I knew tech friends who mined 50 Bitcoin easy as pie, just for fun trying out the software. In 2019, 1,000 BTC means an investment of $10 million. The number of ultra-high net worth individuals, classified as somebody who's worth $50 million or more, uh, the number of ultra-high net worth individuals in the world's stands at around 150,000. So that means there's 150,000 people in the world that are worth more than $50 million. Continuing on, he says, it strikes me that this population is probably in the same order of magnitude of people who had that interest and know how to mine BTC pre-2013, producing similar growth patterns. In my opinion, we're likely in a new renaissance of Bitcoin. And this one is powered by capital influx of high net worth investors, while the early days were powered by the tech savvy who were bootstrapping the network. Period. Super bullish. Data for this chart kindly provided by CoinMetrics. At CoinMetrics. Okay, so guys, here's what he's saying here. He's saying that in the early days of Bitcoin, it was powered by the geeks who knew how to run the system and they got it bootstrapped, right? They got it all set up. But now the network's set up. It's running successfully for 10 years. It could run, you know, has its code base that's still updated and there's still so much tech that's being developed on top of Bitcoin. But now is when the big money is starting to come in. And by this chart, you can see that how many addresses have 1,000 Bitcoin is skyrocketing. That means there are high net worth individuals that are accumulating massive amounts of Bitcoin. And guys, this is the start. This is the smart money. And there's a quote that I love, and it's called, smart money bets late, smart money bets big. And so what we're seeing right now is a late push, but a big push by smart money. So this should, guys, if you're listening this to it, if you're listening to this at nighttime, you're tucked in your bed, go to sleep resting easy, knowing that Bitcoin is getting put into very, very, very strong hands. And if you're on your way to work, you should go to work today with a big old smile and tell somebody that you love them just for no reason other than you know something that they don't know, that Bitcoin is going to be worth a lot more very soon. So go tell somebody you love them. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to our next segment. And I'm going to keep this one short. And guys, before I move on to the next segment, I really would like to tell you about our sponsors over at eToro. They make everything that we do here possible. So I want you to support them just like they support us. Uh, go ahead, go to eToro.com or go to Crypto101podcast.com slash eToro. That's our affiliate link. If you guys use that, it really, really helps us. It doesn't hurt you guys at all. Um, so what is eToro? These guys are the best platform to buy and sell cryptocurrency on, period. Not all platforms are created equal. And you could tell that they put a lot of tender, loving care into their system. And I'm really excited because next week they're launching a new system. And we can't talk about it yet, but you're going to hear about this uh, here in the next several episodes. Uh, they're launching a very, very, very cool system. Can't talk about it yet. Super secret. But on the 15th of October... They're launching it. But besides that, what do they have right now? They have a virtual trading simulator where you could put you know, $100,000 of fake virtual money so you could get acquainted with the platform and acquainted with buying and selling and setting orders and trading and all that kind of stuff before you actually put real money at stake. So that's a great way for anybody who's maybe a new person to cryptocurrency or a new person to trading. Um, yeah, you guys could go ahead and try that out. Uh, it's, it's free to open up an account. It's really amazing. Uh, and you know, it's very, very easy to use. 
They've been open since 2007. Uh, they started trading crypto in 2013. Over 10 million people on this platform, guys. I mean, if you're not one of them, you guys got to get with the program. Let's go. Support these guys. These guys are amazing, and they've got customer service like nobody's business. I mean, they're on top of it. If you have questions, they're super responsive. Uh, we support them. They support us. We want you to support them. Go check out eToro and start trading crypto. I don't know what you're waiting for. Start trading crypto. All right, guys, back to the show. Um, we're going to talk quickly about hacks. And guys, this is the first I'm announcing it on the show. This is a little sneak peek. We're going to have Kim.com on the show in a few weeks. Uh, he is an amazing, amazing man. He has done so much for... He, he's the inventor of Mega Upload. If you guys have used Mega Upload, he's just done so much for the world of you know decentralization and peer-to-peer -peer networks. And now he is launching uh, K.im, which is a cryptocurrency, a decentralized file sharing cryptocurrency that we're going to look and talk about on the show. And he's launching this as an IEO on Bitfinex. So Kim, if you're listening to this, I know you're a big listener. Uh, thank you for you know coming on the show. We're excited to have you next week. And we're going to talk a little bit in this segment about hacks and how to prevent hacks. So there's, there's all sorts of hacks that happen in the crypto world. And they generally start by you, know, you saving passwords online. This means you save your passwords in your Evernote or you save your passwords on your iCloud notes, all that kind of stuff. And these cloud services are so easy for people to, you know, they get into your network through your Wi-Fi, they brute force your passwords uh, to get into your Wi-Fi network, and then they essentially just go snooping through all your stuff. They find your recovery seeds or they find your password, they hack your account. So guys, this segment, I just want you to be reminded that you should always be writing your passwords down. You shouldn't be saving them in clear text. It's just the stupidest thing you could do. If you're one of those people that has a notepad uh, online, you know, in your Google Sheets with all your passwords, it's dumb. And I'm going to be the first one to tell you. I've seen people go down, literally, because they saved their passwords in Google Sheets and Evernotes. So guys, please don't do this. I can't stress it enough. I feel like I talk about this literally every freaking day. Um... If you're going to save passwords online, at least use ciphers. Ciphers are a way of basically obscuring your text, uh, but you'll still be able to, you will be the only one to be able to decrypt what that says. So if you don't know what a cipher is, just go Google it. Basically a little clever way to construct a memory palace for your passwords. But, um, you know, and guys, the other, the other popular way that people get hacked in the crypto world is through something called a SIM swap, S-I-M, like your phone, your phone SIM swap. And this is really, really, really dangerous. And there's a lot of lawsuits actually right now being fought, uh, multi-million dollar hacks that have gone down because somebody gains control of your phone. And once they have control of your phone, they could kind of do whatever they want, right? So, you know, if you use SMS two-factor authentication, they could use that now. They have those codes. Um, if you have your email, right, they're on your email. They're in there. They're changing your passwords for everything. Um, and if you store your passwords or your private keys or your recovery seeds in your Google Sheets, I mean, they're in there and they could just open up your wallet and run with your money from anywhere in the world. So guys, this is very important. Okay, that's enough about hacks. We're going to have Kim.com come on the show in three weeks or four weeks or something, and he's going to tell you all about 
his new project, and maybe we're going to get into some uh, some cool hacking stuff as well. Who knows? We'll see. All right, guys. So without further ado, let's briefly touch on the news. There was a lot. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the SEC halting the issuance of Telegram's Gram token. So the SEC basically issued a what they're calling an emergency action, an emergency restraining order to halt Telegram from selling or otherwise distributing its Gram tokens within the U.S., um, and the network was supposed to go live on October 31st, and you know they raised 1.7 billion dollars, and now the SEC is coming in and saying, "Yo, this ain't happening. We're throwing the hammer down." If you guys don't know what Telegram is, it's an encrypted messaging service, kind of like WhatsApp or Viber or uh, you know any of those other messaging apps that you know you put your phone number in and then you could use that. Uh, service telegram is a big one in the crypto community and you could use all sorts of group chat and secret chat functionalities it's really cool so like hey let's just issue a currency and if somebody wants to send uh, one of their telegram buddies 10 bucks 20 bucks 100 bucks whatever it is they could use the telegram token and it could be instant um, and so they've raised yeah 1.7 billion dollars off the back of this idea and now the sec a little late to the game not gonna lie a little late to the game they are saying that this is not going to happen. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen to the money that they raised. Is it going to get seized? Uh, is the development of the project going to get shut down? This just happened today, guys. We don't know. Or on Friday. Um, it, anything could happen, right? So this is going to be a story we're going to be watching closely as it develops. Uh, but we just wanted to bring that to the forefront that the SEC is listening. They are watching. They are all around. They are trying to keep you safe. They're trying to keep me safe. They're trying to keep citizens all around the world safe. And by doing so, they're stepping on some toes. But it is what it is. So it's kind of similar to what's going on with the kick and, you know, kick, K-I-K. Uh, they issued the kin token. And Ted Livingston, who is going to court between the SEC, uh, basically trying to say because sec is trying to do the same thing to this other network which kick is pretty similar to telegram as well so guys it's kind of interesting that there's a lot of projects or a lot of you know messaging apps like also facebook messenger right like people are starting to realize that money is just a form of communication money is just accounts communicating back and forth between each other um you know, and, and balancing accounts. It's just accounts talking to one another. And if it could be, you know, money is speech, essentially. Money is communication. So it's interesting to see that all these messaging apps are now trying to be a messaging app as well as your bank account. Um, okay, cool. So that's that. The last or the next thing we have uh, is the IRS issuing some tax guidance. And the tax guidance that they issued is kind of alarming, I would say. And again, not tax advice or anything, but but they kind of got it backwards. They kind of got it wrong. They're basically saying that every time that you get an airdrop or a fork, knowingly or unknowingly to you, uh, you're getting, you know, you are liable for taxes at, at the market price at the instant that that thing happens. Um, so in the case of like, for instance, if you go back to the Bitcoin cash um, fork, Coinbase didn't even allow their users to access their Bitcoin cash four months after the fork. So it took them four months. And so then, you know, if, if this IRS, IRS tax guidance was there at the time, you know, people could say like, oh, this is totally unfair because I didn't even have the ability 
you know, first off, I didn't even have the option whether I wanted to opt in or opt out of this fork, which is, you know, okay. Like that's a very valid concern. Uh, and, you know, in the sense of the Coinbase one is like, I didn't, I wasn't even able to sell it at the price that I got it at. You know, I wish I, if I could have, I could have sold it, but I didn't get it until four months after. So there's all sorts of hairy gray areas here. Um, the IRS just doesn't know what it's doing when it comes to, you know, taxing these crypto assets. I don't know who wrote these regulations, um, but, and, you know, think like this is the first time in five years that the IRS has issued any sort of guidance on these, uh, on crypto taxes. And it just seems like they're getting it wrong. And, you know, there's been lots of debates on Twitter. Um, you know, yeah, you know, there's a great tweet storm by Marco Santori, M Santori ESQ. That's his handle, M Santori ESQ on Twitter. He's got a great tweet thread on this whole thing. Um, but yeah, guys, so there's new guidance, at least go read through it or go read some articles about it and get the nitty gritty, just bringing that to your attention that there is new guidance and that it is uh, something that you guys need to be looking out for. And lastly, we're going to talk about the Libra dropouts. It kind of sounds like a rap band or like a rap group, like the Libra dropouts, but who's in the Libra dropouts this week? And there'll probably be more because the Senate and everybody is starting to scare off anybody who's trying to get involved with Facebook and Libra. But today, or this past week, I should say, we have eBay, we have Stripe, we have Visa, we have MasterCard, and we have PayPal. Ooh, what a gut punch to Libra. They're all dropping out, saying that they want nothing to do with the project anymore. Why? Well, I mean, think about it. The government is painting a very, very, very bleak picture for the proliferation of Libra globally. Uh, they realize that what Facebook is, you know, posing to do is threatening to the status quo and that if you could give 2 billion users a bank account instantly, that that might disintermediate or might disrupt a lot of forces uh, in the traditional financial structures of the world. And uh, a lot of those traditional guys are lobbyists for government officials. So I, I'm pretty sure there's some people talking behind the scenes about how, hey, let's, uh, let's make sure that we put regulation in place here to make sure that these 2 billion people can't get access to you know, basic financial services um, you know, because it doesn't help the traditional guys. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of hanky-panky going on here behind the scenes um, and regulation stopping innovation. And it just sucks to see. It just really sucks to see. So I'm sure that Libra will take a foot in impoverished countries and developing worlds. And I know a lot of our listeners are in those impoverished countries and develop, developing worlds, and they're stoked about this. We've, we've heard actually stories from people talking about how they're super stoked on this because they can't get access to traditional financial, um, you know, loans or bank accounts and all that kind of stuff. They get killed not, they're getting killed on fees, minimum with, withdrawals, minimum deposits, all that kind of stuff. So um, it's kind of a bummer to see that regulation is stifling innovation here in the States and also in uh, France and Germany. Their, their heads of, of state also said that they will not be allowing Libra to be developed or to be uh, prevalent in their countries. And I'm sure we're going to see more and more countries that have a lot to lose taking that stance. And that's really all it comes down to. If you have a lot to lose, if you're like the United States, if you're like these first world super strong countries that have been kicking ass for 100 years and you've got a lot to lose, you're probably going to try and defend your position. It's like the game of King of the Hill, right? Um, but what's interesting is that 
you know, the United States and countries like Germany and France are fighting a two-front war. And what is a two-front war? When I, when I talk about two-front war, I'm kind of trying to draw the uh, analogy to when uh, Germany, or should I say uh, the, you know, Hitler's Reich was fighting, you know, Russia on the Eastern Front and then all the allies, right? You have Britain and France and uh, America on the Western Front. And they were spread so thin because they were pinched in between two warring areas, the Eastern Front and the Western Front, two-front war, and, and, and they were spread thin. So I think that's what we're actually seeing develop here in real time with these incumbent governments fighting a two-front war against Libra, this corporate currency, as well as Bitcoin and all these other decentralized cryptocurrencies, right? And so you could stave off one, right? But it's going to be hell of a lot harder to stave off both at the same time. Think about what a two-front war is. That's twice the amount of resources. That's twice the amount of manpower. That's twice the amount of energy and strategy that goes into fighting two enemies. And, and, and Bitcoin and Libra are, quote-unquote, you know, enemies of the state as we know it today. And so it'll be interesting to see how the state handles all this. Um I, I mean, it's just a fascinating thing that's developing here in real time, guys. And we're going to be here. Crypto 101 is going to be here at the center of Crypt Nation, walking you through everything, guys. Thank you for joining us today on this episode 11 of Weekly Fire. And hopefully Pizza Mind is back in action here in no time flat so he could join us in the next episode. But he could barely talk. His, I mean, his tonsils are probably thicker than a tennis ball. And uh, his nose is like cement. So bless his heart. Pray for Pizza Mind. Keep him in your thoughts. Uh, if you're going to yoga today, meditate on Pizza Mind getting healed. Send him some positive energy. And hopefully my little sinus uh, deal clears up here within the next few days, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, we love you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.